welcome to a special episode of our Rainmaker Multiplier On Demand series brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity. For more information on the Rainmaker Multiplier process and a list of all podcasts in this series, visit ClarityToProsperity.com. Hello, hello. Awesome, Jeff. I didn't know you were joining us today. That's a bonus. Good to see you, buddy. Jeff was actually the pioneer of the C2P annual review process, which we teach in Bucket Plan 2.0. Step four kind of has two phases. It has the uh, onboarding of a client, and then it has the ongoing annual review process. And Jeff, uh, Jeff really pioneered the development of that. So, and it was it was basically out of necessity because I dove into C2P and just threw all my clients to Jeff and you had to show up and do annual reviews and had never met him before. We didn't exactly do the best tactful handoff, did we, Jeff? <laughs> uh, it it all worked out. We uh, we we managed, but the clients were like, "Who are you?" <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, oh, good. This will be fun today. Everybody uh, that wants to, um, definitely encouraged to turn your cameras on and participate today. Hey, Pat, good to see you, buddy. Frank, um, Mark, how we doing? All right, good. Well, let's, uh, yeah, Tim Claremont is someone that, um, so the reason this topic came up is we were in the $100 million club meeting and uh, we always, you know, we obviously we share best practices. We meet once a month virtually and try to get together quarterly in person and uh, just mine, you know, all the best innovations out of each other's, you know, practices to help each other grow. And the um, uh, a more recent session, Tim had shared and he covered his uh, annual review process and um it was just so um, perfectly simple and easy to follow. Um, we're actually, uh, you know, at our at our at our formal, and I guess it's not annual review, Tim. It's a review process. Better, better said, right? Because it's kind of the format. Yeah, I, I use it for every review. Yeah, right? I use it for every review, whether it's quarterly, annually, semi-annually, or otherwise. Yeah. And see, for us, we had systematized the annual review. And all the important information we wanted to make sure we cover and document in the annual review. And, um, you know, the, uh, but we didn't really have for like our bigger clients, we'll meet with more than once a year, um, especially if they desire that or request that. And so uh, we didn't really have any formalized, you know, method of how we conducted that meeting or that conversation. And Tim brought this. And I just thought it was brilliant. And we uh, we're actually in the process of, of building it into our overall service model. And for our um, Blue Diamond, which are our AAA clients, and our Diamond, which are our A-level clients, basically everybody with over a million fall into those two categories. So I'm like, man, we got to have Tim on, you know, uh, on coffee break to share this because it's just so, so simple. Um, but so, but great structure. And, and what I love about it, Tim, is it just all, it automatically leads to cross-selling opportunities in particular on the insurance side, life insurance, long-term care, just the way that you position it. So 
Welcome, Tim. Thanks for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm happy to share it, Jason. And thanks for teeing me up so well and making me look so good. So <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, the This three-step review process, you know, I, I will say I got the inspiration from a coaching program I attended about 15 years ago. And and I just started using it and it, it evolved a, a little bit, but now it's it's just an automatic thing that I use with every review discussion. Clients have gotten to the point where they know it's coming. So it's it's these same three bullets every time. So I, when you think about how often you have client meetings, I mean, I probably have three to five client meetings a day on average, and every one of those meetings pretty much starts this same way. So most of those times, those meetings are an hour long. Uh, occasionally with my clients who have less than 250,000, I'll only schedule a 30 minute review with them once a year. And so if it's a, whether it's 60 minutes or 30 minutes, the first thing I always say in the meeting is, is hey, I, you know, obviously I've blocked off the next 30 minutes. Or we blocked off the next 60 minutes. So I set it very clearly as to how long we have. So they know that at the end of that meeting, uh, you know, I have another commitment so that, you know, that's the time we have. So I, I set that out initially right at the beginning say, hey, we've got the next 60 minutes together. Do you have any conflicts that I should be aware of? Or, you know, is that still going to work for you? So I'm always putting it back to them. If they only booked 30 and I had 60, I need to know that. So if they if they booked 60, that's great. So we get that taken care of right away. Many of you who know me know I'm all about minutes and time, and I talk about that a lot anyway. So that's just that's not part of the three-step review process. That's just the way I set it up. Just the way Jason just set me up. So I wanted you to have that awareness. Uh, and then I say, you know, we chat, we get to know each other for again, kind of catch up for a couple few minutes. Amenities is you know is what what we call it. And um, and, you know, some clients. If you've heard me talk about the the personalities in the past, the blue, the green, the gold, and the the orange personalities, so Stu Schlackman's four people you should know. You know, keep in mind the blues need a little more time for amenities. You know, you got to talk a little bit more about family and everything else. And you know, the golds want to get down to business and get it started. So, how long you choose to take to get to know people is. And, and kind of catch up. It depends on the personality of the client you're talking to. You guys probably, again, already know that, but I just I want to be clear about the teeing up before this. There's there's more to it than just jumping right in and saying, okay, here's the agenda. You know, you, you got to have the human element at the beginning first. Some so. people want that small talk and that extra time to catch up and share stories. And others are like, let's get right to the point. Exactly. Exactly. So, you, you know, defer to the, uh, to the, the client's preferences, but I never take, even with the blues, more than two to five minutes at the beginning before I'm going to tell them the agenda. Because if you keep going for more than five minutes and you burn the first 15 to 20 catching up on what's going on, there's not enough time left to get through the rest of your agenda. So you got to get them the agenda within the first five minutes, regardless of the personality, some kind of tactful way. So what I'll say for the agenda is, hey, just as you probably remember, which is the way I started, because many of them are remember this, it's not the first time, um, we have a three-step review process. So step one is the most important step. I want to hear any questions, thoughts, or concerns you have. That's the most important step. You know, And frankly, if we don't get to step two and step three, that's okay, because we're going to answer all of your questions, thoughts, and concerns. And I want to get through all of those. So I've just got a blank sheet of paper, and I'm going to write down what are their questions, thoughts, and concerns. And then I'll tell them, by the way, steps two and three provided we have enough time. Step two, we're going to go through any questions, thoughts, or concerns, uh, questions, thoughts, concerns, or recommendations that I have. So they already know that if they don't get through their questions, thoughts, and concerns within the time we have, they're not going to hear my questions, thoughts, concerns, and recommendations because we're going to run out of time. 
So they're letting me know what all their questions, thoughts, and concerns are up front, but they're also more eager to get through them so that they can get to my questions, thoughts, concerns, and recommendations because they want to hear what I have what I have to say. And then I'll also say, provided enough time, we'll hit the third step of the agenda, which is to review the five tenets of financial planning. And I'll leave it at that. I'll go through those five tenants with you guys so you can hear what that looks like, so you can go through that experience. But that's the three-step agenda. Step one, questions, thoughts, and concerns you have. Step two, questions, thoughts, concerns, recommendations I have. And then step three, the five tenets of financial planning. And we jump right into their questions, thoughts, and concerns. And I'll also set it up. Sometimes I'll, I'll set it up as well. If, if they're looking at me like they don't have any questions, you know, you can see that nonverbal on their face, like, I don't know. I'm just here because I was told I had to be here for a review and I don't really have anything going on in my head. Um, that's okay. <laughs> you, you set them up to, to make it easier for them to, to get out of that. You know, sometimes clients have questions, thoughts, and concerns that takes up the whole appointment. So I'll say that other times clients don't have any questions, thoughts, or concerns it takes less than 30 seconds. We jump right into step number two. And so by teeing that up that way with that transition statement, client doesn't feel like they have to have a bunch of questions. They can just wrap up and jump into step two with you and be more efficient. Uh, and then other times, you know, if they've got a ton of questions, they still want to get through them all. So you're, you're listing them all out, but making that very clear as step one questions, thoughts, concerns you have uh, tease it up to make sure that the client's not going to walk away with something that they feel like they really wanted out of your meeting and they never got it because you were running your meeting the way you wanted to run it. So that that's where we that's how we start that again very simple uh when it goes to questions thoughts concerns recommendations i have you know I'll, I'll bullet those out and try to address them i'll also say if we manage to get through all three steps and it's less than I, it's less than 60 minutes because i've had clients get through all three steps in 20 minutes or whatever that's okay usually you're mentally exhausted you're done anyway if you want to just visit with me afterwards that's fine but but we don't have to fill the time right if we get through it all faster that's okay so I've had some clients that, you know, we'll wrap up the whole meeting in 20 minutes and then we're done. You don't have to fill 60 minutes. If you, you know, you get those 40 minutes back, you use that time to do something else. They don't necessarily want to fill 60 minutes with you either. If, uh, I mean, they might want to, and you let them know that, you know, Hey, they've, they've got your time and you're there for that. But after you get through the five tenants, even if you can get through all three of those steps in 20 minutes or 30 minutes, they really do feel pretty thoroughly reviewed. They usually don't feel like they need to talk about money anymore. Uh, so with that, I can I can go into the five tenants as well. But Jason, before I transition to the five tenants, which is the meatier part of this, um, any questions about the first two steps? Yeah, I think those are pretty straightforward. And what I love about it, Tim, is, um, and I shared this with you before, is I feel like this is almost something we can layer above or like an umbrella over our, our current review process, any of us. Every one of you have some kind of review process. Whether you just show up with a statement and wing it and, you know, or and without a statement and notepad and just wing it, whatever it is, everybody's got something that they're doing, right? And so what I love about this is it's so simple, three steps, easy to remember, questions, thoughts, concerns, QTC, and then step two, you're just laying around the recommendations that you have, right? So questions, thoughts, and concerns you can share for them. And then the five tenants is where I thought it was so, you know, it's such a great structured way, which I know that's about what you're going to cover next. Um, and what we even decided to do is kind of break it up for our million plus clients, our diamonds and blue diamonds, and cover the first three tenants in one review 
and then six months later cover the next uh, two tenants. So kind of breaking it up and in, in meeting with them twice a year, the people who have over a million with us, but still always talking about the five tenants and reminding them we covered these ones, the last one, this is what we're gonna cover this one, and just systematizing that to making sure those five tenants always get covered. Built on the foundation of the award-winning bucket plan process, Clarity to Prosperity's proven processes, training, and coaching can help you increase your revenue. If you are a growth-minded, independent financial advisor, you qualify for a free copy of the bucket plan book. Go to claritytoprosperity.com forward slash offer to get your free book today. That's claritytoprosperity.com forward slash offer. Perfect. So you might be wondering, what are the five tenants, right? That's probably what's going on in some of your heads. So these come straight from the CFP Board of Standards, the five tenants. Uh, and, and it's a great way to go through. Again, it, even if I have a very brief review, think about the briefest review you've had. Clients got no questions. You don't have any questions, thoughts, or concerns. Maybe your only recommendation is a minor reallocation or just touch and base to see if they've had any job changes. So you get through that you know, maybe in five minutes or 10 minutes and you had an hour scheduled, then you're going to say, okay, let's go through the five tenets of financial planning. Just make sure that everything's covered. And I'll always set it up too and say, hey, questions, thoughts, concerns you have, questions, thoughts, concerns, recommendations I have. And then we go through the five tenets together to see if anything flushes up that we didn't think of independently. So that's a phrase I use regularly because think about it. They're thinking of the questions, thoughts, and concerns in isolation. You're thinking of your questions, thoughts, concerns, recommendations in isolation. The third step is what you do together, because by going together, you collaborate and you might come up with something you didn't think of in your vacuums, in your independent vacuums. So the five tenants are the first tenant is rate of return. So most of the time, by the time I'm touching on the first tenant, we've already covered rate of return. Usually that's one of the things that, that clients are curious about. How about done? So if you've already covered rate of return, you've already talked about their allocations in each of their investments, you've already addressed that you feel good about the way that they're allocated and you feel like they're on track, then it's a pretty brief review to say, okay, the first tenant is rate of return. Obviously, and this is the other element, as you go through each of the tenants, you define what you're responsible for as the advisor and what you're not responsible for which is really, really helpful because it makes it very clear so the client understands your role. So the first tenant, I say, rate of return. Rate of return on all your stuff. Hey, that's my wheelhouse. That's something I work with you on. I own that lane. You know, I take care of that responsibility as it relates to, relates to rate of return. I want to make sure you're allocated in the best way possible in all of your investments. As an investment advisor, that's a lane I own. If for some reason you don't do money management, don't own that lane. <laughs> tell them, tell them that's what their financial planner does or whatever. You know, it, you get to tell them what of the five you own. So you got to decide that. But I do money management, so rate of returns absolutely my lane. The second uh, of yeah, the five, I, go ahead. I wanted to interject on that one too because um, you know one of the things we've talked about for years is like we talk about performance and account balance versus rate of return. It's still kind of the same thing. I mean, it is, right? Yeah. I mean, greater return is going to dictate what your uh, count balances are going to be, et cetera. But um, so you can, you know, if you're more subscribing to that, that where you don't show an actual quarterly performance rate of return, year-to-date rate of return, and you're more showing balances, you can make a small tweak of just saying, we're going to talk about performance and what the balances on your accounts are. 
And, and that's fair. And actually, I want to be clear about that, too. I actually don't talk so much about rate of return. I'm not talking about year-to-date returns versus the S&P or anything like that. I'm also having discussions about balances. I'm usually talking about how much did you additionally invest and how much is the account worth today, net of your withdrawals. So yeah. that that's the way I'm always talking about rate of return. I'll use the words rate of return because that is the first tenant because that no, they know they've satisfied that objective. But I'm when I talk about performance, I'm like, hey, your original your investment accounts worth X. Your original investment was Y. After your withdrawals, your net investment is Z. X is greater than Z. Obviously, we're doing well. You know that that's about the extent of the rate of return discussion. So, um, just to give you a little clarity on that too. So, rate of return. Second is retirement income planning. Retirement income planning. I'm like, yeah, I own that one too. <laughs> that's mine. I want to make sure that I'm responsible for retirement income planning. Uh, we have something that we do here as it relates to that. Obviously, in addition to the bucket planning stuff, you guys have your own processes and systems for communicating what the retirement income plan looks like. That's what you share with them. And it, it's, it should be very clear. So our, you know, my company's Clear Financial Partners, we call it our Clear Income Plan. And we've already reviewed that typically. That's what usually one of the first things they want to look at in questions one and two. So by the time I'm again, I'm getting to the five tenants, I'm like, hey, we already talked about performance. We already talked about your retirement income plan. So you feel good about that, right? If they don't feel good about those two things, you probably didn't cover all your questions, thoughts, concerns, and recommendations yet, which is fine. Go back and fix it because those are your two, two of the primary things you got to get closure on. So rate of return or perform, performance, retirement income planning. And then I'll set up the third of the fourth tenants. I'll say, look, the third of the fourth tenants are, are very important. I don't sit first chair. I sit second chair. So I don't know if you've ever been in kind of a music situation or whatever, where, you know, you think about the symphonies or the orchestras or whatever, there's always that first chair person that takes the lead. And then second chair is kind of like second, almost as good. So I use that, that phrase is like, I sit second chair. These aren't my responsibility. I can't, I can't do that, but I definitely work together with that other person to make sure this is taken care of. And the third tenant is estate planning. So if you're an attorney and you do the legal work, you're sitting first chair, you're going to own that lane. I'm not an attorney, so I can't provide legal advice. This is also where I'll get my disclosure out and say, hey, I, just to remind you, I don't provide legal advice. I'm not an attorney, but I work together with your attorney to make sure that everything is great the way you want it to as it relates to your estate planning. So do you have your will, your advanced directive, your durable power of attorney, are all your trusts in order? And, and you can have a conversation now about, do they, are they done? Are they ready? Many of the times, this is a weakness in their plan, and they know it. <laughs> and they say, yeah, no, I've been meaning to do that. So, oh, that's fine. I'm here to remind you as your accountability partner, you got to get that done. And if you do it, I would love to have a copy of it because a lot of our clients will send us a copy. We scan it into our imaging system and we save a copy and we have it here for you. So you could be anywhere in the world. And if you need a copy of it, I can send it to you, whatever you might need. So, which is, which is great. So you still own the fact that you're sort of the quarterback of the team. You're just collecting all that information. You're sitting second chair. You'll work together with their attorney when they integrate their attorney into their plan. Um, also critical because you don't want the attorney telling them to go work with another financial planner, right? You, if they do find another attorney, you want to make sure that they know to connect the attorney with you. And that that's part of your service that you work together with that attorney. So, um, so that's estate planning. If they haven't done the job and you know from your dictation or your notes at the last review that they said they were going to do it, you can hold them accountable and be like, hey, did you get that taken care of? Like, and if they're like, no, like, well, I'm going to remind you again next time because we go through the three, you know, the three steps every time. We're going to go through the five tenants. When it comes up again, 
I'll find out if you got it done. So, you know, you're never going to forget to bring it up again, too. And they feel that sense of accountability. So they're more likely to get it taken care of. Tim, um, I want to reiterate how important that is to keep yourself in the driver's seat. You want to be the quarterback when the time comes, when a life event happens, in particular, when one spouse passes away or when the second spouse passes away. So always letting the client know and reassuring them and getting the copies of the trust, the power of attorney, the healthcare power of attorney, getting copies of those legal documents and having those on file, they're gonna think you're the primary relationship, not the attorney. And they're always gonna tell their kids and the surviving spouse, make sure you call Jeff, make sure you call Pat, make sure you, you know, you want them calling you. You don't want them calling the attorneys the first call. And that's a big part of the psychology of doing that. That's right. A lot of this is psychology mixed with process, right? And you've just got to build those two things together to work together with the client you have in front of you. And, and every client's a little different. That's where the psychology comes in, but the process stays the same. And a lot of the phrases and transitions will stay the same because they're part of the process, but the way you use them will change a little bit based on the psychology and the way you work with that particular client. So the third step is the estate planning. Again, I don't own that lane. If you're an attorney, own it. <laughs> and if you're not, Make sure you don't, but make sure you you still let them know that you're you're part of the team. You're if anything, you're probably the leader of the team. It's sitting second chair, right? So the fourth tenant, I also don't own. Many of you do, and that's okay. So own that lane as well if you own it. I don't. I say that's tax planning. I don't do your taxes for you. I'm not an accountant. I don't do your I you know I don't file your tax return for you. I can't provide you tax advice, but I sit second chair to your accountant and I work together and I definitely factor tax planning into all of my recommendations. And I wanna make sure that anything that your accountant tells you to do, anything that we work together, we're collaborating together with your accountant to make sure that everything's as tax efficient as possible. And so you, do you feel good about your tax situation or is everything going well there? And then you know, that's where you touch base on it. You're asking them that question as they hit the fourth tenant. Now, maybe everything's good and you're good to go. If, if you own the lane, own the lane. You know that's that, That's up to you as well. Uh, but I don't. So I let, let them know very clearly. I don't do the illegal work and I don't do the tax work, uh, but happy to refer you uh, to somebody if you need somebody and happy to work with whoever you work with if you have somebody that you like. We clear on the fourth one? All right. The fifth one is protection planning. Protection planning breaks into three subcategories. And by the way, I do this with my hand every time. Three subcategories. It's involuntary. Now I can't even think to do it. It just happens. So um, when you when you say protection planning, it goes into three subcategories. The first two I don't handle. Again, you might handle these. So own your lane if you have them. I don't. First two. First one is health insurance. I don't do health insurance. I'm licensed to do health insurance, but I don't. I have other people I refer people to. They do the Medicare supplement policies. They do health insurance, stuff like that. If you do health insurance, own that lane. We take care of your health insurance. Is everything going good there? Great. If you don't, okay, that's fine. If you need somebody, I got somebody. I can connect you with them. The second bullet of the fifth tenant. By the way, when you say that, the second bullet of the fifth tenant, they feel like you're pretty thorough. It's pretty cool. So he says, like, yeah, the second bullet of the fifth tenant. Anyway, the second bullet of the fifth tenant, that is... Uh, property casualty insurance, that's your auto and home insurance, your liability insurance. I don't do PNC insurance. You know, if you need somebody for that, for your liability, for your auto, your home, I got somebody I can connect you with. If you got somebody, great. 
I don't do that. I don't lean into that lane. And I actually don't even try to sit second chair with health insurance and auto and home insurance. I just want to make sure that they're taken care of and they're in a good spot and they have a good person that they work with. They're adequately covered. One thing I will say on auto and home insurance, I will touch base there and just kind of do a little bit of value add. I'll say, do you have an umbrella policy, by the way? If they don't have an umbrella policy, I'll tell them, you need to look into getting an umbrella policy. And preferably, I recommend you look into having it attached to uninsured, underinsured motorists. Because many times their PNC agent does not sell umbrella policies very much because it's only a few hundred bucks a year. Their commission is like 30 bucks. It's additional forms. They don't make a lot of money. And if they're not doing a good job taking care of your client, you want to make sure that extra million dollar piggy bank that's there if they have a major auto or home situation is there to help them out in that crisis. It's a big, big, big deal if they have a crisis and it's a cheap policy usually to have. If it's attached to uninsured or underinsured motorists, a lot of times people have higher limits if they get into a wreck and it protects everybody else, but many times they only have about 100,000 on themselves. So if you have a high income earner that gets in an auto wreck and it's not their fault, the other person doesn't have very good insurance or whether it is their fault or not, the point is that they're going to cap out on their lost income. If they get disabled or they can't work anymore for an extended period of time, if it's attached, if the umbrella is attached to uninsured or underinsured motorist, they can dip into that million dollars or maybe two or three million. I usually try to make it equal to their net worth for themselves to offset their own lost income. And, and that's pretty cool because a lot of other people are not adequately insured. So it's an inexpensive way to add some additional protection. Again, I don't sell it, but it's also an easy way for you to get in and give the PNC person a little bit of additional business, build the relationship with them. And if the PNC person is not doing a good job, connect them with your PNC person. So quick little value add there. So that's the fifth tenant. First two bullets I don't own. The third bullet of the fifth tenant, I own that one. That's mine. That's life insurance, long-term care insurance, and long-term disability insurance. How do you feel about your life insurance, your long-term care, and your long-term disability insurance? And I'll usually hit long-term disability first because I get it out of the way. Because if they're an employee and they have long-term disability covered through their employer, they're usually okay, 60 to 70%. If they chose not to take it, make sure they take it so they get that taken care of. If they're self-employed, you can set them up with some long-term disability insurance because they got to take care of it themselves. Then long-term care, I'll usually address that with clients at 50 plus. And life insurance, you can address life insurance directly at that situation, and you make them aware that you own that. So if they go to their PNC guy and their PNC guy tries to sell them some life insurance, they say, no, 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 I got my financial planner guy. He does that. You, how many times have you had your PNC guy go in there and sell life insurance just because you never took care of it? You never owned it. So all you got to do is own it, and then you take care of it, and, and you take care of the life insurance. You're just letting them know what you own. How many of their other financial planning relationships, professional relationships do they have that have covered all five tenants that are actually paying attention to their entire financial future? Like nobody. Nobody's looking at that other than you. So if you own those five tenants and you go through that every time, they're like, how could they ever leave you? They're so sticky with you because like nobody else knows their whole picture. So, so those are the three basic steps every time I go to a review appointment. And if you hit all five tenants of that quite seriously, and they're like, yep, we're good, we're good, we're good. And you get done in 20 minutes. They're like, dude, I'm exhausted. I'm like, I know, go have fun. See ya. Catch you at the next review. You get 30 or 40 minutes back out of your hour. So, um, you know, that's, or just chat with the blues and enjoy and catch up with them socially. You know, you've done your job once you get through the three steps. Jason, I'll throw something out there real quick, if you don't mind. Uh, you know, Tim, sometimes I hear about the concept of lining up your um, annual review to match up with uh, the renewal of an annuity or other insurance policy. What are your thoughts on that? 
I absolutely do that. In fact, a lot of my clients know exactly how many, um, how many uh, reviews they're going to have each year. And we pick their review month and we put the review month in the CRM and then we reach out to them in advance. We try to do those reviews around, uh, especially like a fixed indexed annuity, because you can only do the reallocation in the 30 days around the anniversary. Uh, if you have a, a living benefit that you're going to try to take an annual distribution out of and you want to get that done right away, I'll absolutely address it around those annual reviews. So um, usually we try to try to work it right around there. Priority one is the, the the accounts and the planning as far as scheduling the reviews. Then priority two is their preference as it relates to what's convenient for them. Excellent. Tim, you want to just recap real quick the five, uh, the three steps, the five tenants, and then the three subcategories of the, of the uh yeah, the final time. Sure, happy to do so. So it's always a three-step review. Step one, any questions, thoughts, or concerns you have, that's the most important step. We're going to take as much time as you need on that. If we have enough time, we get to step two. Step two is questions, thoughts, concerns, or recommendations I have, and we're going to cover all that. If we still have enough time at the end of the hour, we're going to get to the third step of our review process, which is to cover the five tenets of financial planning. The five tenets of financial planning, again, I only get to that after I get through steps one and two. Then I go into the five tenets unless they need a quick refresher and then I'll hit it really fast like I'm going to do for you right now. Step one is rate of return. Step two is retirement income planning. I own both of those. That's my area. Step three is estate planning. I don't take care of that. I sit second chair. Don't do legal work. Step four is tax planning. I sit second chair. I don't do your tax work. Step five is protection planning. Protection planning breaks into three subcategories. Step three, three sub bullets. First two, I don't handle. That's health insurance and auto and home insurance. The third bullet of the fifth tenant I do handle, that's life insurance, long-term care, and long-term disability insurance. So as you can see, I do it all the time. It's easy to do, memorize it, and you guys will just like have a great time doing it. It's awesome, fun. Tim. And again, the great thing about it is you can overlay this to what you're doing now, kind of an umbrella up top. Keep it simple with the three, cover the five tenants. If you can do it all in one meeting with a smaller client, if you just do an annual review, great. That's what we did in our firm. For our bigger clients, over a million, we break it into two meetings per year. So semi-annual reviews, we cover the first two tenants, which is you know performance and updating their bucket plan, any of the financial stuff in the first. And then the second meeting, the estate planning, the uh, auto and home in the, in the uh, protection plan. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being here. Interested in learning more about the topics discussed today? We want to know more about your challenges and priorities and how we can help build your custom roadmap to success. That's right, a custom roadmap built just for you. Schedule a free 20-minute consultation with one of our business development partners. Visit c2pe.info forward slash podcast to schedule a time that's good for you. That's c2pe.info forward slash podcast.